I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1971. The album, Cheech and Chong, the artist, Cheech and Chong. My guest this week is David Swartz, calling uh, from Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Detroit area? Yes, just outside of Detroit, Jason. I mean, uh, around about 15 minutes right outside of downtown. We originally were in contact because uh, I found a piece of your art. So people who know this podcast have heard me talk endlessly about this show that I'm in called A Drinking Game. And I have played Vizzini. Uh, in a princess bride a number of times and i found your art of vizzini thank goodness it was properly credited uh, uh otherwise i wouldn't have known about it. i hate when people are just like hey look at this fun thing i found and they don't put the name of the damn artist um and it's really it's just wonderful like comic style art but that obviously doesn't even begin to describe but either way that's how we got in contact uh basically just because I, I love vizzini and i love your art of it and I'm glad that you had an album to pick. So let's, as we were talking about before we started recording, um, you have uh, some family reasons for for picking this album. Yes. Uh, so when I when I was a kid, um, obviously when I became a little bit more of age, uh, my my mom used to always sort of recite a lot of these Cheech and Chong uh, jokes. Uh, obviously, since my name is Dave, that's sort of like a a huge, you know, kind of joke within my family. Of course. Um, the, the whole, like, you know, here, Dave's not here, main thing. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, my, my mom, like I said, she's always been a huge fan, and I've kind of always been hearing these jokes uh, as I've grown up. What What are the odds she named you after the sketch? <laughs> I would say uh, very little. She actually wanted to name me Elliot, which turned out to be my middle name. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but yeah, but still, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think she just she really enjoyed uh, certain new kind of qualities that Cheech and Chong brought. I think to their type of uh, humor. Yeah. Do you? Uh, well, uh, let's talk. So you grew up with it, and you haven't tired of it. So that's that's a bonus. You said you just listened to it three times in preparation, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, um, you know, when I uh, sit down and do art, it's pretty much the mainstay of what I do. I'm also a teacher, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, when I sit down to do artwork, I'm I'm usually you know listening to some podcast or a comedy special or something like that, um, and, and it was just something nice that I could put on uh, last couple of days in preparation for this. I love it. Do you uh, do you have a particular favorite that that uh, you think is more re-listenable than other things? <laughs> it's funny. Well, I mean, there's there's so many good ones on on that album. Um, uh, there's there's something to me about the. I think it's probably just the the um, the Super Trooper type quality because I think obviously Super Troopers and that opening theme was was inspired by the the, the whole sketch where they're um, you know getting into a car and doing some. Uh, illicit things and then uh you know cheech thinks that there's a cop behind him so they gotta quick you know get rid of the evidence and it turns out it's just neighborhood <laughs> so I, I i personally just love that type of humor that yeah. kind of like gotcha at the end uh very um reminiscent of like uh for me i love like key and peel 
that oh, yeah. kind of sketch comedy is just really, really funny and cleverly written. Oh yeah, no, Key, Key and Peele—they changed the game in in just so many ways. What's your history with sketch comedy in general? Is that do you have a particular preference for sketch comedy uh, or or stand up? I mean, I would say I I love them both. Uh, I'm I'm just always you know fascinated by comics and their way of, of telling a story because um, mm -hmm. you know I'm a, a storyteller myself so you know any way that I can kind of absorb that that method of communication I, I really enjoy but no but when it comes between stand-up and uh, sketch comedy I think the, the the one thing that kind of edges out sketch comedy for me is the the fantasy of it and all kinds of different things that you can do um, you know, with that, that type of world that you want to create, um, you know, as evident by all the diverse things and characters that, you know, sketch comics have come up with over the years. Uh, I mean, SNL being one of the, the major tent poles, but, uh, you know, I, I even like, uh, you know, the, well, I'm trying to think of the name of that one. There, there, there's all kinds of like really small independent sketch comedy, like Portlandia is sure. one of them too, that I, I really enjoy as well. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, even for me, like I, I always go back to um, whose line is it anyway, even though it's kind of like a, you know, really popular, like overproduced type of thing. Sure. It's still like really clever. And the guys that were performing in that show are super talented. Oh, yeah. No, there, there there's a lot of skill going into it. It's one of those. It, it's kind of like. I don't know. It's it's giving somebody who's got the independent spirit and skill of somebody who's kind of hard scrabble and could do it, you know, on the streets if they had to, but have been fortunate enough to be given a little bit of money and a huge audience. So they, at least they haven't lost right. all that skill and, and polish. Right. No, 100 percent. Do you uh, so let's talk a little bit about your art. You let's talk about the stuff that's on your website. First of all, you do standees for people. Yeah, so um, you know my my main work is in the comic book world, mm -hmm. but um, you know a couple years ago I I was on Kickstarter and they had this uh, I think it was like a, it called like Make One Hundred where you know it, it, they were just trying to get you to you know do a small project for you know a target of a hundred backers. Mm -hmm. um, so you know I just I had come up with this idea one Christmas. Uh, for some family members to create these little uh, mini standees. So, like, if anyone is familiar with, you know, going to the movies, you're going to see, like, some kind of cardboard cutout, you know. And in the, you know, older days, uh, they could only do maybe, like, a, a character or two. Um, so, you know, I figured why not make a miniature version of that that you can put on your desk at work or, you know, on your mantle above your fireplace or um, you know, even with a couple magnets on the back, you could, you know, attach it to your fridge. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I created a, a couple of prototypes and, uh, then I, I got the idea of, well, why not put, you know, these are, uh, likable characters, characters that have, um, you know, quotes, why not make, you know, like little quote bubbles that you can exchange, um, and change out for a new one whenever you feel like you want to change it. So, um, I put that, I put the whole thing together and everybody seemed to like it so much that I thought, you know, why not put it out there on a Kickstarter and see if other people like it. And, uh, I think I wound up making like, God, close to, I think I made about 80 or so wow. in that first run. And then I did probably about another 30 or 40 after the Kickstarter for other people. Um, but they're, they're super popular. People really love them. They're really great gifts. Yeah. 
Do you have you ever uh, had to commission? I'm trying to look. Well, you got a Weird Al one. There's plenty of comedy related ones yeah. in here. Uh, the Weird yeah, Al ones, they're I, all good, but I, I like the Weird have, Al one. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of um, characters that are outside of, I would say, like popular movies and TV shows. Sure. Uh, you know, Weird Al is probably one of those that's kind of an outlier. I mean, he's sort of an icon in himself. Um, but no, I mean, I've got like, uh, I think somebody uh, requested the entire cast of Archer. So I think I got almost like eight different Archer characters on there. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the more popular ones are ones that you would expect like Darth Vader, Indiana Jones, sure, sure. uh, Captain Kirk. Yeah. So, but again, they're, they're super fun. I mean, most of a lot of them are already created, um, but then I can make custom ones. So, you know, if, if anybody wants something, they got something in particular. I've even made some of original characters for other comic books. So, Wow, that's awesome. Do you, I'm, I'm seeing yeah. number of characters that I've played on stage. I, I feel like there's a ton here <laughs> that I, I just need to, you know, dig into. Like at some point. Like I said, I, I, I'm going to have to talk to the people who do a drinking game here and, and just like, can you please have him do all of us in character as our favorite characters? <laughs> we've, we've done, you know, 90 yeah. shows or something out here. So we've, we've done a lot of different things. Um, sure. uh, so I'm curious what your influences are, because I don't know comics well. So feel free to, you know, it's OK. I, I'm not going to know a lot of your references, but I'm curious what your influences <laughs> are in terms of drawing and if you have any specific comedy influences in terms of art i don't know if there's any actual funny comic books that, that have influenced you if you're a writer as well sure sure i mean um god honestly off the top of my head uh it's hard for me to draw a line um but i will say that you know when, when i do approach writing i i do want to put in you know a healthy amount of comedic relief uh you know i think any kind of story, if, if you don't have a little bit of, of humor in there, um, you know, it just it, it doesn't add the appropriate amount of uh, contrast. Uh, you know, I I'm an art teacher as well. So, you know, a lot of what I tell my my students, um, I, I believe are you know kind of fundamentals that can be uh, applied to any type of you know artistic pursuit, whether it's, um, you know, drawing and painting or in comedy or you know even being a podcaster um you know if, if you don't have the uh, you know appropriate amount of certain things um you know it's just not going to be interesting and compelling for people to uh, pay attention to for sure Do you, there there is an element of uh comic book art that at least to me, and maybe I am just going uh, going crazy uh, interpreting it this way. But it it's sketch. It's kind of it's the exact opposite of sketch comedy, but the same in terms of it's got to be to draw a comic book, to fill out a comic book. Uh, you know, all uh, what is it, forty pages in your average comic book? You you have to tell a story strictly visually. Um, uh, you you I, I usually the story has to be told would have to translate if, if somebody couldn't read i i feel like most of the time and you have to do the exact same the exact opposite with a sketch album or something but it's also so it has to be so rich uh and like cheech and chong and other guys like the Firesign theater they have the richest design and mixing to make you so involved uh and it feels to me like whenever the few times i've ever read a comic and really really loved it i didn't get into them as much as my friends did uh, it, it feels like it's just as rich an experience, but just visually. 
So, um, you know, for Cheech and Chong, you know, they have to create an immersive experience with, you know, their sketch comedy. So, you know, between the impressions that they do, the voices, um, the sounds that they they create in the background to really immerse you into the environment, it's the same thing with sequential art. Um, you know, you need to be able to create that world visually. You need to be able to pull people into it. Uh, pushing and pulling them, you know, uh, doing close-up shots and then backing off and doing far-away shots and, you know, uh, making that that flow back and forth in order to pull people into the story. It's the same thing with comedy. You know, you want to be able to lift people up and then maybe get down and talk to them serious for a minute, but then lift it back up and make them laugh again. You know, that's, I think, what makes the greats great. You know, what's interesting is with sketch comedy, you're always trying to make audio as visual as possible so that you can mm -hmm. just picture it with with, you know, you're always going to have your own interpretation, which is fun. Uh, but you at least it gives you enough familiar to draw from and enough that's interesting and new that you're you're going to laugh and you're going to keep it keep listening. I'm wondering what you might do with comic book art art that is essentially the same thing. I'm wondering how you do that, the, the opposite to people. That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the things that really make a comic book work with the story that it's telling, I think it, it all boils down to the style in which you're doing it. You know, um, I personally have more of like a cartoony animated type style. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit more sim simplified. Um, there's not as much um, contouring with the line. It's a, a lot more edgy, kind of um, harder edged things. Um, but then, you know, you have a myriad of other, uh, different styles out there. Um, but the thing is, is the style needs to be able to, you know, fit the story. So like if you have, say like a horror story, that's really gory and gritty and gnarly and dirty, you know, you're going to want that quality in the artwork. You know, you're going to want something that's really dark and gritty and have lots of, you know, detail in it, lots of really dark, you know, ink and tone to it. But then if you have something on the opposite side of the scale that's supposed to be light and fun and, you know, kind of um, more airy, you know, then you want something that has a softer edge to it mm -hmm. with less ink and, you know, less, of that extra stuff, very clean, you know, a lot of, you know, um, attention to form, less attention to detail. So honestly, I think it, it for, for artwork, uh, creating that immersive type experience, it comes down to the style in which you, you know, choose to do it. That makes sense. Are you, uh, I'm trying to think because I'm, I'm looking at some of your art on your website right now. And it's, I love I, I obviously I, I love any art that's eclectic where I can see oh look at that influence oh look they're trying to do this like even it, mm -hmm. clearly the way you you've drawn some of these things is not the same as the last thing uh, they're clearly mm -hmm. like hey here's a little Jack Kirby but here is definitely not Jack Kirby there's all these different influences um, are you afraid of a busy frame it doesn't look like you are it looks like you're okay is it okay if, if it doesn't necessarily simplify it or gives people an opportunity where they've got to look at every damn corner of it to make sense of it? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I personally don't shy away from that. You know, um, I find that if, if uh, you, you really dial things up to 11, um, it's just going to make it for a make for a much more compelling image. Um, you know, I, 
I studied under uh, a Marvel artist who taught me a lot about trying to, to take things to another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I used to draw uh, things in a, a little bit more of a rigid kind of fashion. And I think a lot of it was just my naivete. I didn't really know the, the subtle nuances of how to make an image that much more compelling. And, you know, and, and he taught me, you know, to take things and just, you know, turn it, twist it, you know, give it some weird form to it, you know, like uh, the human body isn't so straight, you know, or, or organic things aren't so straight, you know, you got to give it a little bit of a twist. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, a lot of that has to, or a lot of that, you know, goes into, you know, creating, uh, you know, any kind of uh, really compelling, awesome artwork. Um, for, for me, sometimes it, it may get a little bit busy, um, but that's the stroke of, uh, you know, a good artist is if you can keep, if you can do something really good with a busy composition without it getting too crazy and too, you know, distracting, you know, if, if, if you can still maintain your, your focal point, if you still have, you know, an area of the composition that someone zeroes in on, then, you know, you, you, you can do it, you know, as long as you, you know, don't get too crazy with it. Yeah. Um, but it's possible. Well, there are some sketches on this album that even make me think of that in terms of like stuff will be going on and and the back and it happens on a lot of fire sign albums too. But where where the 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 background audio kind of starts to drown out the uh, mm. the primary audio a little bit, not entirely. You can right. still hear it, but it forces you to listen. And where I feel like right. so active listening is it's more more important than I remembered because I love Cheech and Chong, but I had forgotten one of the things I liked doing was listening so hard to make sure I got every joke, even though the jokes are simpler than some other comedy groups. Uh, they're yeah. like you got you still got to listen. I I actually I totally agree with you on that. I I was experiencing the very same thing when I was re-listening to it recently. Um, you know, because there were a couple of times I actually remember skipping back and re-listening to it and just trying to make sure that I heard everything in that joke because, you know, it, it could be the way that their accent is or, you know, just like you were saying, the way that the audio mix is, you know, sometimes you miss something. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a good point, you know, uh, you know, maybe doing that in a way to force people to sit and really listen to it more carefully. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I'm also fine with good, passive, really well-produced comedy too, where, you know, I, sure. uh, I'm listening and okay, cool. They gave me a great joke. I laughed really hard. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But the stuff that got me sure. into doing sketch, which, you know, audio sketch is not a thing people do as much. They kind of do it on podcasts yeah. sometimes, but not in the same way. Um, you know, right. you know, it's, uh, unless you don't, it's like super ego, in which case that's still improvised. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you don't hear it as much, and that's that's the stuff that got me so deep into it is just all the little details, and I didn't, you know, and I didn't discover it through radio like guys of that generation did, where they're like, oh, I want to make, you know, an old radio drama, or I want to make an old radio comedy, but nobody's doing those, so I guess I'm going to mm-hmm. do a weird album about pot. Uh, <laughs> the thing that always blew my mind, though, and I've talked about it before, is... I don't really, I know it is, but I don't really think of Cheech and Chong as stoner comedy because I didn't grow up smoking weed and I still found the characters funny as hell. Well, that's the thing is, you know, if you can, if you can craft a joke that isn't necessarily for a particular audience, it's it's just funny because it's funny, you know, then it it doesn't matter if it, you know, hits uh, the specific audience that you may be marketing it towards, you know, really, I, th- I think that's the, the brilliance of Cheech and Chong is, you know, their jokes sort of transcend 
um, any kind of, you know, uh, demographic, I think, you know, because the jokes are just funny. You know, it's that sort of like gotcha kind of joke at the very end where, you know, you you don't really see it coming, you know. I mean, you kind of see it coming a little bit, um, but then they kind of give it a little bit of a twist, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you, you think you know where it's going, but then, no, it, it goes in a little bit of a different direction. Right. Uh, especially that first sketch where uh, they're doing, they're in the radio station and they're laying down, uh, uh, what's his name? It's the blues, the blues singer Brian guy. Brian Melanchilis. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, it's so funny. It's so dumb. I, I, you know, and I'd forgotten, there's some, there's some stuff that I'm like, that I'd forgotten was a little racially, well, quite racially insensitive, but then I'd also forgotten that he is playing well, a shitty producer character who's supposed to be an asshole. So, yeah, you know, yeah, there's exactly. there's so much where, you know, I'm like, oh, right, 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 right. Because you listen to the rest of it, and there are a couple really great bits where, they're, where uh, you know, they're uh, dealing with some stuff that uh, we're, we're dealing with now in terms of... Uh, uh, <laughs> immigration, etc. Uh, where I'm like, oh shit, right, yeah, because they would have been thinking about that right. more than more than a, a white comic would have at the time, um, right? You know, well, it, well, and the other joke I was just going to chime in and say that kind of struck me too with the the way things are today. Um, the joke where I uh, think I think it was like the Pope or something, where they yeah. he basically is like told, you know, you got to sleep with a woman. And he's like, no, I will not do this. And then he's like, oh, it's the mom. What you do is, oh, okay, okay. And he says all these things about how she's got to be blind and deaf and all this thing, you know, so he, she can't really see who it is. But at the very end, it's like, oh, she got to have big boobs too, you know. Sorry, <laughs> it's like, no. oh, really? Would that be, would that fly to the, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say probably not. Uh, their, their, yeah. their idea of, even if it is satirical, it's like, well, okay, yeah, no, I don't think anybody could quite... Uh, do this sketch now. Right. I, I don't right. know what they do on stage uh, now. I have no idea. I'm assuming it's mostly their weed stuff when they perform. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but after all, they've got a bottom line to think about. I mean, Tommy Chung literally sells weed now. He's living his dream, you know. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny. I um, actually knew somebody who was in possession of uh, Tommy Chung actually made some of his own uh, like water bongs. Oh, he, okay. He did the, the glass blowing and everything, and I guess it was like a, a Tommy Chong bong, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's kind of great. I I don't think I yeah. realized he did that. Uh, it it, yeah. it blows me away that he would have he would even have the patience to sit. He literally lost his keys in the middle of his interview with me, and it's one of my favorite things that's ever happened on the show. <laughs> I, I love that it so fantastic. much. I was just like in the middle of like, oh my god! I just had a Cheech and Chong moment on the show. It was kind of, was <laughs> kind of. Per- I had never heard a couple of these sketches. I'm realizing I'm a big fan, but sometimes if I've got it in my collection, I wait until somebody picks it to listen to it. So this is kind of fresh. Uh, I'd never heard the emergency ward sketch, and man, if that isn't really, really, really funny, <laughs> just the two. Oh, of my- I know. <laughs> Yeah, that, I, I I totally could have seen that as like a Comedy Central sketch. Oh you know? yeah, like I was almost envision, I was almost envisioning it as I was listening to that one in particular. Well, and the, the acting shine through because you know I, I love Tommy Chong, but Cheech Marin is like he's got a lot of range with his voices and stuff, and like he's yep. such an emotional actor where it's like his laughs seem real. They both seem to really like be invested in the situation. 
uh, which kind of makes you remember it's not just a bunch of drug jokes. Like, this is literally about two assholes betting on what this guy coming up to the emergency counter has. Like, they're trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so insane. But, yeah, yeah it does kind of feel, feel like a Key and Peele sketch to me. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I, and I, I totally agree with you, too, with uh, Cheech Marin's range, you know. Uh, the I think he, he does a particularly good job playing like that that white dude voice i don't yep. even know how else yep. to describe it but it's like when he does it it's like wow it doesn't even really sound like him anymore it's very wild. it's nuts I, I i don't know enough about like what i'm you know about um where i think he was raised in la but like to be able to mm-hmm. completely lose an accent completely have his own accent when he needs it to do a fairly convincing woman when he needs to do it and some other voices right you know, uh, some less sensitive voices, but they still does them very well. Uh, yeah, this his range is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always love listening to uh, those two. And, and I actually a while back, I um, for uh, going back to where I kind of got this from. You know, being introduced to it from my mom. Uh, you know, for her, I think it was for her birthday. Uh, I bought her all the albums on Amazon. Um, and then I like kind of made up cause I mean, it's on Amazon. So you didn't really, you don't really need to make a CD of it, you know, right. even though she's still a little stuck in that CD age, sure. still wants me to burn her CDs all the time. <laughs> uh, but I, I like made up this little like DVD thing and it was, uh, I, I made up the little jacket for it and, you know, I, I kind of put it together as like the Cheech and Chong greatest hit like oh, collection type thing so and, it, and i got thinking about it I was like man really wish that i could put my get my hands on something like that for real but um you know it was it was a fun pr- uh, project to, to play with and and put together some artwork for it. it was almost like i was making a comedy album for him oh that's so good i love that i love that your mom loves him that much i think i got introduced to him by <laughs> my mom but she wouldn't let me listen like she didn't let me listen early <laughs> because she's like i don't probably she didn't want me to do drugs it's like mom i'm the nerdiest nerd like i'm not I'll be I'll be fine. Do you not know me? Uh, and so I, I love that so much that that's something you share. Do you have any um, siblings? Uh, yeah. So I have um, a younger brother, uh, and then I have uh, two older half siblings. Uh, they're they're much older than me, but mm-hmm. um, my my brother and I, I I think he and I really, um, you know, when we were kids, we were thick as thieves and. Um, I, I would say we're a little bit kind of like a Cheech and Chong. You know, my brother was a little more Cheech, I was a little more Chong. Did you pass on those albums to him at all? Or, like, did you introduce him or did your mom introduce him to you at the same time? You know, having uh, my mom, get, you know, bringing me over at some family events or something like that and just, uh, you know, listening in on some of these uh, dirtier jokes as I got a little bit older. So that was that was always fun, getting to listen to some of that stuff and share that stuff with with like your mom for the where it's it's always like when you're a kid when you laugh at the stuff that you don't get it's kind of fun when you get a little bit older to be like i get that now mom that's pretty good thanks for sharing this with me i know yeah that's uh that always was that blows my mind you know you, you go back and you listen to things where, that you you listen to as a kid mm-hmm. you listen to it as a dog you go oh my god that's a <laughs> that is a sex joke i had no idea <laughs> you know I'm wondering, like, look, I, I, I'm guessing I can't necessarily determine uh, the pop culture you were exposed to by your art, except to say that, oh, wow, this is, like, really good. But uh, is there anything in here that you weren't exposed to before somebody asked you to draw it? 
in terms of these standees anyway? Uh, oh, yeah, in terms of standees. Um, well, there were a couple of, uh, I think there was one video game character. God, I can't even remember it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look it up. Here, let, me, let me get to it. But um, no, there was a video game character that I did that was really cool. Um, and I never heard of before, but it was a really fun piece to draw. Um, but I would say for the m- most part, I, I think I recognized most of the characters. Um, you know, I think I did like, uh, like the Gravity Falls character, the Dipper M, uh, Mabel, I, I wasn't as familiar with because that's sort of newer animation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Let's see. Oh, and then there's like the Scud character. He's an Image Comics character. That was a character I wasn't really as familiar with. But uh, the the one I was this video game one I was talking about is from Overwatch. Then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not really hot, sure how to pronounce that. But um, yeah, for the most part, I was pretty familiar with all of them. I think um, some of my favorites were um, the black and white ones, the Vincent Price and the uh, Doctor Frankenstein from Young Frankenstein, the yeah. Gene Wilder version. Yeah, I like those a lot. Those are, those are great. Uh, boy, oh boy. Yeah, these are all... What's fun is, like, these bring back memories of shows that I've done, but also, obviously, stuff that I absolutely love. Like, so we've got... Let's see. There you go. There's Dr. Frankenstein from Young Frankenstein. You got Vizzini. You got your Marty McFly. You got the dude. You have you have Snape. You've got some Star Wars stuff. Transfer. There's... there's there's. Oh, man, I, I love these. It sounds like this is me just promoting your stuff, which I guess it is, but I, like, I'm legitimately kind of, like, hung. <laughs> up on looking at these you've you've got at least four batmans uh which which is great yeah. and a cat woman um <laughs> have man i'm at this point now okay so let's let's say is there would you ever do for at least even for your, yourself would you do a cheech and chong or is there some other sketch comedy or other co- comedy that you would want to represent your love of comedy on your desk or wherever you I mean, keep these i mean Cheech and Chong is, is a really good idea. I haven't had that requested yet, right. but um, you know, I I would love to do that because they got some really good little quotes I could put together for their bubbles. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, I I'm always a fan of. Um, I always loved like Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. for some you know for some reason like uh, I, I always loved his stuff, um, especially his work on SNL like for sure. just killer stuff. Even even the. It was the joke on the Chichi Song album where, the, obviously, the the classic one, the you know "Days Not Here" joke. Yeah. Uh, that whole sketch reminded me so much of Eddie Murphy's uh, Mr. Robinson sketch. Oh the yeah, on uh, Rogers. Oh my goodness, I <laughs> I just for whatever reason when I was listening to that joke the other day, I got transported back to watching that, that sketch with Eddie Murphy. And I was like, Oh my God, there's, there's so, they got qualities that are very similar about them. It was very interesting. (laughs) Did you, uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but did you see how much uh, money Eddie Murphy might be getting to do another comedy special, but for Netflix? I I did not, but I can (laughs) only guess it was just out of this world. What's, what's your first guess? Oh boy. It's a fun game. Uh, Probably hundred million. Uh, uh, you know what? You're not far off seventy, but it might go up higher. Who knows? But I mean, see, see, I, I would have totally guessed at least hundred million. Yeah, but I mean, for one special, well, I mean, if people have been waiting to see him come back. He's got some stuff to say. That's, yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking, man. I mean, it's it's one of those things where God, I can't even remember the, the last time he did anything really. Um, not just even sketch comedy, but mm-hmm. really anything in popular culture. 
Well, I can tell you he's also got a Netflix movie coming out where he plays a guy who did a ton of comedy albums. Um, it's called Dolomite <laughs> Is My Name. I love that I'm promoting a movie. I'm only promoting it because one of my best friends is in it, and he's in an really? he's in an Eddie Murphy movie. He's got a, he's got a, a few scenes in it with him. I cannot wait. Uh, That's right. Yeah, it's called Dolomite Is My Name, but about a guy named Rudy Ray Moore who did very filthy. Um, filthy poetry, and then he also played Dolomite in the black exploitation movies called Dolomite, Dolomite, and Dolomite, whatever they were called. But yeah, uh, so but Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore, so I cannot wait to see that. That's gonna be exciting. Uh, are there yeah. any, uh, man, have you ever done um, any albums like you've ever designed any album art for music or comedy? Um, you know, I, I, the only one I ever did was, uh, for my own band back in high school. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I, I, I never really had, uh, an opportunity to do any kind of album work, uh, professionally. Uh, you know, most of my work is a little bit more on that cartoony side. Mm -hmm. So I think it's only applicable to maybe like a very, very small portion of, uh, of music out there. I would sure. imagine. But, um, I would love to do a comedy album. That would actually be really fun. I mean, now that I think about it, that kind of drawing specialty is so suited to comedy albums. When I, I was looking at some website oh, yeah. the other day, I was looking at a, uh, some distributor that I'd never heard of, uh, this comedy record label, and I was just looking through it. like, there's not one of these albums looks the same. Uh, also, some of them look really shitty, but most of them are very good, but th they all look different. It's a nice eclectic feel where it's like, I feel like somebody with... Uh, your skills would be like, oh yeah, hell, I I, I could do a, a you know a comedy album. I did. Did you have the the physical? So I assume your mom had the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my mom just recently uh, got rid of her collection. Mm -hmm. I mean, she didn't have a huge collection, sure. but um, and enough for her to say, hey, I think we need to get some more space in the house. Uh, but no, yeah, she had the original vinyl. Um, I'm. I'm not sure if she ever really played the original vinyl for us, but um, I do remember seeing it. It was prominently featured. Yeah, I always wonder because a lot of those, then there are a couple really great Cheech and Chong ones where they really played with the album art with like a lot of inserts and a lot of die cuts. And like, you know, for instance, one of them is a the inside of a car, but when you put the sleeve over it, it's the outside of the car, but Cheech and Chong are still in uh... it. There's just so much fun stuff. Like you can really can, visually can really play with a with a comedy album before you ever get a chance to even listen to it like there's so much right. you know it's stage well, setting and I, well and i believe that i could be wrong in this but i believe my mom showed me an insert that was like a giant rolling paper oh yeah oh yeah they're, sure. they're yeah. hard to find with the paper in it i have one but yes, it's like it's, right. it's a giant like eleven by fourteen sheet or something that is folded in half <laughs> that you could use to make the largest joint in the world. It's fantastic. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, and that's like I mean, I before I started doing this this comic book stuff, um, you know, I worked in marketing and I was a creative director, and my whole my whole job was uh, branding. So mm -hmm. you know, I would work I would work with the company to create not only just like a logo, um, but, you know, we would create a whole style for them, you know, yeah. down to, you know, what type of fonts you're choosing for the, the website, you mm -hmm. know, things like that. So, um, you know, my whole thing is creating an image, you know, for a product. 
and you know doing things like that where it's not just an album you've got all these other little things that you can explore and and add to the experience you know of mm-hmm. the album or of whatever product you you've made um you know just makes it that much better for the fans right absolutely i mean you you there's so much like i said it's so much stage setting it's 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 the equivalent, well, maybe not exactly the same, but it's the equivalent of sucking somebody in with a really great comic book cover. Uh, are there ever inserts in comic? Are there ever comics that have, like, done more than just a flat cover? Have there, like, done anything crazy, like, weird, I don't know, cutaway shit in it? I don't know anything about comics. I mean, honestly, aside from from, from what I'm familiar with, um, aside from maybe the occasional little ad for something that they insert, right? Um, I don't really think they, they do anything that you know adds to the story. Now, I will say what's pretty notorious in comics is they do like foldouts. So oh, yeah. you, you know, you could have like a, a cover that just when you open it, it just kind of folds out into you know four or five times as long as you know a standard comic book size. But um, you know, I, I haven't really heard much about. Um, inserts, but I will say when I did um, my first book, I self-published it, um, I, I did a few things like that where um, things throughout the story, you know, little papers, little, you know, um, pieces of, of small artwork, you know, that kind of went with the story um, I included in, in the Kickstarter for fans. So That's you know, awesome. I, I, yeah, I tried to do things like that whenever I can, when, you know, whenever it's, it's feasible and I, I have the time and I, at that moment, I had the time. Right now, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I mean, that's like that is a comic book. As as speaking again, as a person who's barely read any, that is a comic book I would buy. That is because, and I, you know, it's I'm obsessed with props, and I'm I'm obsessed with stuff from fiction turning real. And if you did a comic book where a guy had a really cool looking business card and you had the business card in the comic book, I'd be like, Oh yeah, no, that's, that's my shit. Even, even if I don't care like that, that involves me just enough. I'm like, I'm going to read this entire thing and I'll probably be invested in it by the end of it. It's just, there's this, there's, I don't know. It's something visceral. Right. Absolutely. Well, and, um, you know, the, the, the comic that I'm, I'm pitching, well, not pitching, but, comic that I have right now that uh, where is going to be put into a collective edition, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do some of that stuff. So, uh, you know, not, I don't want to get too much into that, but uh, I, I made like this, this retro uh, comic book version of a cover style, you know, so it's like mm-hmm. an old 1950s sci-fi, you know, style. Awesome. Um, but featuring, you know, the characters from the book and like the title of the book and everything like that. Um, and, I, I sh- showed it off and everyone loved it so much. I talked to the publisher and he was like, Hey, why don't we do like a variant of the first issue? So people can actually get a version of that with this retro, you know, cover. And Amazing. it was just one of those things where I was like, wow, like that's a cool added thing, you know, that just makes the whole experience of the story like that much better because the big selling point for me for it is retro sci-fi nostalgia, you mm-hmm. know? So you know, why not try to take that and, and go as far as we can with it, you know, within financial reason. Yeah, of course. I mean, that that's the one thing that, you know, that kind of holds back. Like when I see re- even really good comics or pardon me, see, there's my brain, uh, really good comedy albums. Like there's not other than, hey, this is a really cool color for a comedy album. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't really do much along the way of making it 
interactive or at least appearing to be interactive because it's expensive as hell. It's really expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But speaking of things that are, uh, you know, cost people money but are worth it, let's talk about your Indiegogo. Great. Yeah, sure. Tell people about it. Um, yeah. So like I was saying just a minute ago, it's um, it's a collected edition of my story, Feast or Famine. Um, in a nutshell, the story is about an alternate universe where Nikola Tesla and Albert Einstein partner together and they go on a space adventure. I love this um, so, so much. It, it's, yeah, it, well, it's, it's all, like I said, it's all about, you know, kind of a, a, a love letter to nostalgia, 1950s sci-fi. Um, and, you know, the, the story obviously takes a major turn uh, toward at the end. Um, but, you know, up until that point, it's all just very, you know, turn of the century history kind of mixed with this um, Flash Gordon, Lost in Space, 50s-style sci-fi um, that I feel like is, is a really cool mashup. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the book is, is going to be coming out later this, this fall, uh, I believe in November. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's like a 100-page book. Um, you, you, get, uh, you can get the, just the book, or there's all kinds of other perks that you can get. Like I was just saying, there's a, a, a variant of the first issue, um, that features the retro cover that you can only get through the Indiegogo campaign. It's not going to be sold in stores or on any website. Um, and then I've got other kinds of art prints that are, you know, um, exclusive as well. Um, we also have, um, I'm going to be doing some commissions as well. So if you want to get, you know, uh, a small commission, a, a, a larger one, if you want to get even like a full color watercolor commission, I'm doing those as well. Um, I also have art lessons, portfolio reviews, lots of, you know, interactive things with me. Um, and I'm still working on adding some other rewards as well. So I, we've added some, I've added a magnet, I've added some stickers. Uh, we're working on adding coasters right now. I think we're just shy of like a hundred dollars to, to get to that coaster level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since you talked about the standees so much, um, <laughs> I might as well break a little news because no one actually knows this just yet. I might even uh, broadcast it after we talk. Um, but when we hit our goal, when we hit our $5,000 goal, um, I'm going to add a uh, Feast or Famine uh, standee that features the, the two characters. So um, that'll be a fun little perk that uh, you're only going to be able to get on the Indiegogo campaign. Can I tell you, uh, first of all, uh, I'm looking at all the levels and they're ridiculously cheap. Like you should, you guys, uh, this is so reasonable that you get so much for so little that that's amazing. Uh, people should absolutely. So and it, it, just look up Feast or Famine on Indiegogo. Um, I'll make sure to put a link on, on the website. Uh, but also I really, really, really want one of their ray guns. Like that's what I, as a prop obsessive, that's all I'm seeing right now. <laughs> I really want a well, ray gun. I'll tell you what, um, I, I played around with a lot of different options to try to make that happen. The, mm-hmm. the unfortunate part about it is, like we <laughs> were just saying, it is so expensive. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, I cannot yeah. imagine to have uh, that thing even 3D printed would still take a ton. A ton. Right. Oh, man, there's there's right. so much good stuff in here. I also like that it is, like you say, it, it's got that that nice retro style but it also is new looking enough that it's it's its own thing uh there there's, there's right. it's it's polished and and man this looks good this is exciting 
Um, well, and, and I will say too, really quick, yeah. um, for those that aren't as familiar with the publishers, so the publisher is Alternate Comics, mm-hmm. and um, they do um, they do single issue comics as well as the the, the trade collected uh, editions, and um, the individual single issues they actually print all of those on the old school newsprint, mm-hmm. so they're they're not only like crazy interesting because it's you know one of the things you don't find in a comic book store these days is a news printed right. comic of a modern story you know um but it, it's like uh, half the price you know yeah, so yeah. a typical typical comic nowadays is like three four sometimes even five dollars mm-hmm. for an issue you know uh, all of the alternate comic single issues are between a dollar fifty and two dollars that's insane so yeah, I mean, you can get the. I was telling people when it was just the single issues, you can get the entire Feaster Famine story one through three for less than five bucks. Yeah. So, to me, it's just a really good price point, and I mean, you get the the trade collection for ten. I mean, t- most trade collections like that at, at similar page rates would be almost double that much. Yeah. That's that's nuts. Uh, yeah, because most of the time, if I'm not mistaken, you get that kind of semi-gloss, full bright color pages now, right? That's basically what it, it looks like. It's just a ton of comic book covers in terms of this, of terms of like the sheen. Right, now, right. I mean, yeah. the the paper might be slightly thicker. It's not like crazy thick, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the the one thing about it though is um, obviously the the newsprint. It does have different qualities about it. There, there can be some, you know, ink that bleeds or ink that may not be as, as black as you may want it to be, as rich of a, you know, because the paper soaks up a lot of the ink. But mm-hmm. um, the the trade collections that they do and the Feast or Famine trade collection will be printed on a digital uh, press. So you will get an option, you know, to, to if you already got the newsprint edition to get it printed digitally in this co- trade collection. Um, and, and really, you know, get, I think, be- the best of both worlds. Because I love the newsprint editions, frankly. I, I think they're really interesting. And I think they it, it almost lends something extra, like we were, you've been talking about this whole time, you know, lends something extra to the experience, the immersion of, you know, reading the story. Because, you know, it, it just looks like an old school comic. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. That's wonderful. Uh, so people can go to Indiegogo, check that out. Uh, they can follow you. Uh, and I apologize. I said David earlier. Do you go by Dave? Typically, I go by Dave, but uh, David's fine. Uh, my mother would love it. <laughs> <laughs> she hates when I say, my name's Dave. Um, but but no, I'll, I'll answer to both. Uh, and on Twitter, you're at Dave Swartz Art. Uh, so it's uh, yep. Dave, D-A-V-E-S-W-A-R-T-Z-A-R-T. Um, and yeah, this has been super fun. Um, I, I really appreciate yeah. you coming on, on here and talking about this um, and talking about Cheech and Chong because I can always talk about, about Cheech and Chong. Uh, if you do end up doing, you know, a Cheech and Chong standee or something, I ple- I really need to see it. Uh, if, if I'm not the one to request it, which by the way, your standees are very <laughs> inexpensive too. You, you, uh, your standees are more than reasonable for somebody who, you know, if you want some, what, how high are they? How, how tall? I, I, I wasn't sure how tall they were. So, um, the, you can, you, you, there's two options. So you can get a, a short, um, half figure. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just their torso up and those stand about, um, between, 
uh, I believe four to six inches. Okay. Um, and then the, the tall full figure ones, um, they usually range between, um, eight and 10 inches. Okay. Um, it, it typically depends on, uh, the, the character, you know, so sometimes certain characters might need a little extra added height for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I want to be a little bit of, of, of flexible on that. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, if a character might, um, wind up being too wide, mm-hmm. then I might short up a little bit just because they're so wide. You okay. Know? So little nuances like that, but for the most part, um, they're, they're all under 12 inches. Um, but if you want me to make it a little bigger, we could talk about that. I'm pretty flexible. That's awesome. Dave, uh, this has been super fun. Um, you're more than welcome back anytime. Uh, we might get, usually in somebody's second appearance, we get even deeper into the detail in the comedy, which I think would be fun to do with somebody who's not, not a comedian per se. Um, and you, you were a lot of fun to talk with. Um, thank you guys very much for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. <laughs>